Hello, TTB community. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint Podcast. It's been a little bit. Welcome back. Each episode, we like to bring you insight from travel authors, adventurers, conservationists, digital nomads, tour guides, and some of our own personal travel experiences. And joining me today is the blithesome Robert Domena. Thank you, Elliot. So today on the podcast, we have Yannette and Matt of South Andes Travel. They joined us today to discuss their incredibly immersive travel journeys. They go well beyond the ordinary. They showcase they showcase uh, the rich tapestry of the cultures, the landscapes, and the adventures unique to this vibrant region. And by vibrant region, I'm talking specifically about Peru. Uh, they also are working in Colombia, getting into Patagonia, but mostly you'll want to reach out to them now for their trips to Peru. Specifically the Sacred Valley around Pisac, near Cusco. And which what makes them unique and fantastic is this community travel that they're working on where not only will you get to experience Peru, the sacred Valley, as most people do with Machu Picchu and the ruins and the restaurants. But once you go back at the end of the night, rather than going into a hotel or an Airbnb, you will be staying with a family. You will be learning how they prepare their food, what ingredients they use and getting to just talk with these people uh, in an incredibly immersive way. It's a significant way to increase the value of your trip, the memories that you'll make, the people that you meet. And I think it is probably the way that I would recommend travel for anybody. Uh, Beyond the community travel, we do get into family travel and tie it into the community programs. And then lastly, we start to talk about Patagonia, which is somewhere that Matt is focusing on for the future. Matt is a reoccurring guest. He is one of our best friends of the show. We talked to him way back in episode 23, which was probably around 2019, um, about his company and focused really on Machu Picchu uh, for most of that. He came back on again for episode 125. And so he has fantastic insight of Peru. And together, this conversation went fantastically well. And we really think that you're going to enjoy it. Before we get into the conversation, the travel tip of the week is to set flight tracking. It's something that I just did the other week as I plan my own trips. I have a few destinations that I want to go to and a few potential time frames that I can do it. I put in that information on Google Flights. I hit the set tracking flight button. And now as trips go either up or down in price, I'm getting email notifications and it just allows me not, I don't have to go in and look every day to see if the price has changed. I'm getting that information automatically in my inbox. And if I do see it go down to a significant degree, I can pull the trigger and, and book the trip. Lastly, uh, please consider some of the cool things that we offer. How do you organize and plan your trip? So if you like to keep your trip organized like we do, you can use the travel journal and planner that we developed for our very own personal travel experiences. This will allow you to record things like the dates, the budget, the top destinations, the currency exchange rate, the time difference. It has a fillable calendar and it provides you the ability to write out your entire itinerary by the hour. In addition to that, it has a place to store reservation information, a packing list, a to-do list. And then at the very back, it offers you space to journal about your trip. You can find this travel journal planner on our products page, and once you download it, you have it forever, and you can reprint and refill it out for every trip you have moving forward. Now, if you do decide to purchase this, we encourage you to reach out to us with any tips to make it better. 
To help compile all of your info for the journal slash planner, we turned ourselves into cartoons to create a five-part video course that provides a step-by-step -step process to create the ultimate itinerary, including number one, navigation, number two, booking airfare, number three, blogs, research, and reviews, number four, itinerary building, and number five, safety, cultural norms, and thoughtful travel. The goal of this video tutorial is so that you can become your own personal travel agent and learn how to be plan efficient trips now and forever, all the while saving you money to splurge on a nice meal or first class seat for your next adventure. Yeah, and now, so if you still think that planning your trip is a little bit too much or you just don't have time to sit down and actually do it, I can personally plan your trip for you using all the information that we just mentioned. If you're interested in this, please send me an email at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com or visit our service pages on our website and we can meet over Zoom to discuss the details of your trip. You want to contribute to the podcast? If you work in the travel industry, you can join us for a travel roundtable discussion by submitting your information through the TAT form on our website. You can also send us a travel article via direct message or at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com for the monthly Travel Bites episode. Support us by wearing us. Go to redbubble.com to find awesome gear and merchandise of the Traveler's Blueprint. Some of the cost comes directly to us to help support the podcast. We definitely recommend the hoodie and the hat and maybe a sticker or a travel mug. Whether you purchase a product from us or just want to learn about travel alongside us as we interview our guests, know that we greatly value your support as a listener of the show. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Yannette, Matt, welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint podcast today. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, of course. Yeah, welcome back, man. Long time to talk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yannette, so can we start with community-based tourism? I'm very curious to hear about this. Sure. Um, well, at South Andes Travel, we try to get involved a lot with the communities that are around us. Uh, we're based in the Sacred Valley of Cusco. Precisely, we are in Pisac at the moment. That's our home. <laughs> this is where, where we live. So around us, we have many, many um, still original Andean communities um, living here. So what we do is we partner with them. A lot of them already are into projects of uh, community-based tourism, which means that they open their homes, their communities for visitors to learn with them and from them um, about their daily life and their traditions and the culture, like the living culture that it is uh, Peru still through the people. So uh, more or less what we are doing right now, it's uh, focusing on it, uh, adding into our itineraries and experiences uh, sometimes with the families that they allow us to bring uh, our clients to them. And so we have different activities from making ceramics, learning how to make ceramics with them, or even um, empanadas or little <laughs> bread um, empanadas. I don't know. Yeah, artisanal yeah. meals. Food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. meal. Yeah. Uh, pachamanca, which is like an oven um uh made the meal as well yeah, in, in the ground i mean yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> uh trekkings we have a small trekkings around them that they take us with uh they, to show what is around their 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 communities etc i mean we, we have a lot of activities with them and also they're farmers so we will go to their farm really early in the morning to harvest potatoes depending on the season or maybe planting the potatoes which is a very hard you know work but 
I think in a way it helps people to realize the importance of um, still having people to de- dedicate their lives uh, to do this, to bring food to our table and and like good food, you know, not processed, not uh, with chemicals like organic. So yeah, we try to showcase and invite people to experience all of this with community-based tourism. And is this done all in a group or can these be like individuals or couples that come with you guys to do the community-based tourism? Yeah, we have different... Uh, different, I mean, we have groups. We're open to groups, especially uh, if, if they come already together and, you know, they, they come to us to craft these itineraries for them. We also have families and couples. And lately we've had a lot of families because I, I noticed that young families now want their kids to experience this kind of uh, daily life activities with the local people more uh, i mean we find it very educational it's so important to raise awareness especially in the kids uh, about you know climate change and how it's affecting the communities and the agriculture and their living and yeah and the permaculture and uh, the sustainability and i mean in general right and also yeah. the, the the contact with another language and another lifestyle so we have a lot of families actually that want to join these kind of experiences i find that really interesting because I, I mean i'm I'd probably group myself in that and I would love to be able to take my kid to, and I think travel as a family is sometimes really difficult, especially when you're going to a place and you feel like you have to stay in a hotel or an Airbnb and you're basically doing all the things that you were doing at home, but now here in the Airbnb or a hotel, but the community-based travel either in a small group or living with another community seems like you're just kind of like transplanting yourself and inserting yourself into another culture's life for a little bit, but you're integrate trying to integrate yourself as much as possible in the short time that you have. Yeah, absolutely. It's, Especially with families and kids. Yeah, yeah. By far the most I, I, I immersive way to travel. And um, to put a little context to the, to the geography of a trip like this, uh, Pisac is sort of, not at the beginning of the Sacred Valley. So Cusco is sort of the entry point for most tourists into the Sacred Valley. And then Pisac is, I believe, was it north of Cusco? Matt, I, we met there and then kind of went on our journey a little bit. Um, yeah, it's about a 45, 50 minute drive away from Cusco. So you're right, Cusco is a base, a starting point. You can get the big, the big tourist fix there. You've got your hotels, restaurants, cafes, all the stuff that you might expect from a, a starting destination, but very easily you can pull yourself out of that and get into the mountains uh, with a quick drive of less than an hour. And all of these communities are around that area. This is the specifically where Yanath is talking about the, the tourist, uh, the community tourism that we're working with. We're working specifically with neighboring communities because they're sort of closer to home and closer to heart. So mm-hmm. that's why we've got more inter- integrated with those communities than further away ones right now. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we work with several communities, you know, through Ollantaytambo, which is at the end of the Sacred Valley, um, through Chinchero, which is in the middle of the Sacred Valley. We have different ones and each one with amazing projects like they have started with community-based tourism. It is a project that they take on, um, you know, and, and a lot, I mean, Community-based tourism has been around in Peru from the 80s, and um, it's it has a law, and you know the Ministry of Tourism helps them a lot. But 
we've noticed a lot of things also where we come in <laughs> in this time because uh, uh, agencies uh, like us do bring help to them. Like they help them settle or start infrastructure wise um, capacitations for how to you know do the service to the tourists like they prepare them they're people who are prepared to receive tourists and they're open to it like okay. they've been consulted previously they've been you know taught how to prepare the beds and the food and you know without losing their identity obviously but definitely in a level of service that we expect for a client um you know as I said, I highlight this without losing their identity. And that's why it's, it's experience that needs to be uh, thought thorough before <laughs> going yeah. in, especially if you have small children. But um, and we, we'll talk about this in, in a moment. But um, in general, the, the community based tourism here, we've noticed when, when I used to go and visit them a lot, I've noticed that they still don't thrive especially after receiving like so much help with money and, you know, helping them and teachers. And, and I wonder like what what's happening. So I start talking to the communities, to the people, you know, so like, tell me what's your challenge, you know, what, what would you need besides everything that, that, you know, you're no, we don't, we don't, we don't know if we're making money or not out of this. And a lot of people like start, uh, you know, saying, ah, and then a lot of the people who join the community then start, not losing interest because they don't see, you know, this. And I'm like, but tourism is like an, a business in general that brings a lot of income to many companies. So what is happening, you know, because their projects are amazing and they're unique and they're so important, like, especially for sustainable tourism, this is like the most important wheel in my opinion, you know? And um, I noticed that what they are lacking right now, it's a lot of entrepreneurial education, like knowing more about the business side of a project like that. Okay. You know, are they making their costs correctly? Do, do they know how to budget for things? Uh, do they know how much they need to sell? You know, all of these like technical things that you need to know when you're running a business and, and having projections and the right partners to go to. So right now, our main focus will be in the future to, we're starting with the local communities nearby, like Matt says, <laughs> obviously for, for, a, for a familiarity that we have already with them, but we hope to, to help this development in a more sustainable way with the entrepreneurship, ship, uh, education, finance, accountability, you know, marketing and sales, uh, in the future so yeah right now we are working with communities in we have projects with this in pisac um in near pisac tarai but hopefully this will also expand, expand because it's something that they really need to are there any fears in you know if, if this community uh tourism and agritourism really takes off i i've always thought about this with certain communities especially ones that are either rural or primarily agricultural based, like if tourism comes in and ends up providing them a huge influx of money, does that change their community from what they were making money on? Um, well, I mean, let's say they are farmers, most of them, they yeah. are, their level of education in most cases is really not that high. Not a lot of people in these communities have had the chance to really finish school even. Uh, like primary, elementary school. So we're talking about people who really don't know how to make a living very well either way, <laughs> either with tourism or without tourism. So, and having tourism as one of their incomes and they they know how to manage it well, 
could be obviously a great source of self, uh, like self governability. Like they can yeah. really have the chance to create and pay for projects that they really need to without depending so much of local municipalities That's or yeah, like politicians that most of the culture in here is all about that, you know, oh, who's going to bring okay. me help to, to have this, you know, and, and they don't even know how to budget for their own agricultural products, you know, their corn, their potatoes. I mean, if you go to the market here, the potato is like one kilo or one sack of <laughs> potato for like three solids, like $1. Like, I wonder, like, are they really making money out of these? Like, I yeah. feel bad, you know? So I think bringing this kind of uh, knowledge to them is not only just for their projects in tourism, but in general for their living. And so that they can understand how to uh, make a, make money out of anything that they might uh, take. But obviously it's our field tourism <laughs> and they already have projects that have had a lot of investments from other companies too and themselves. And, and this can help them to, because the communities work different as well. You know, they have a different organization. So the money is used for community projects after. So yes, I'm sure that these Okay. helps them to improve certain quality of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know even in the U.S., I think agriculture, agricultural practices have obviously significantly advanced. And there's like, I think a tenth of the farmers that we had like 50 years ago, just because of machinery, but it's still a grueling and you hardly make any money on it. So I know not personally, but there are farmers that will either sell off a portion of their land just to continue to make enough money to continue farming because they love it. So I I understand that this could be community tourism could be a source of income to sustain their sustainable practices of agriculture. Yeah, Yeah. it gives it gives us a reason also or or gives them uh, a reason as well to preserve, which is a little bit of the hidden figure behind all these activities we're trying to preserve as much as possible you know tourism is impactful like we know this uh it's it's that's we don't need to to read more about it we know tourism can be impactful but we can reduce the negative impacts by trying to focus more on the positive side you know because uh i always say that uh, tourism is a a knife of a double blade (laughs) you know and so we're trying to do this in a more constructive way and um, precisely these kind of techniques that we try to teach uh, or bring to the communities is like how to make business with com- companies that align with the sustainability criteria, because it's right now, most of them think, oh, any travel agency can bring me clients. Like, yes, but you don't want any type of client coming to your community because the impact will be yes. greater. Yes, exactly. So yeah. what are we trying to tell them? It's like, okay, techniques of sale, of marketing for the right clients, because we want clients that we want to maybe pay a little more, but help to lessen the impact of bringing so many people, you know? And, and so this way they can sustain their business a bit more. And then they also have more control over this, the preservation that they're doing, you know, we're not bringing hundreds of people one day, like it's a circus, you know, <laughs> we don't yes. want this obviously. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of what you're saying is, uh, it's absolutely true. Okay. I, it, I think it fills in a lot of the gaps from the perspective of the tourists too. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes you have a traveler like Elliot and I, we would, we went and you get to experience the outdoors, but then at the end of the day, you kind of go into your hotel this fills in the the gaps where you get all this experience outside with the natural environment. And then when you kind of go back home to settle down, the experience continues with 
fantastic relationships with people that actually live there. Uh, the food. Yeah, real food. And, and so it just yeah. completes the experience so much better than going back to a hotel. And on top of that, you're giving back. And I think, you know, the the community-based travel, I know you mentioned that it's been around since the 1980s. But to me, it feels as though it's picking up. It seems like younger people you know, younger than even Ellie and I are are more involved and want to know more about the communities, making sure that a company like Airbnb doesn't price people out of uh, the communities that they live in, which, um, so it seems like you're right on par with the trends as far as I can tell. And it, it just even seems ahead like of them. <laughs> ahead of them. Yeah, right. Yeah. We, try, yeah. we try to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and that that you're mentioning about the outdoor and, uh, you know, the experience, I think Matt has also been leading that part quite a bit um, already with the trekking and the community. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I've got a perspective as a gringo traveler who's lived here for a long enough time to understand the culture now, and I can integrate between the foreign people coming in to where they can fit in with doing these kind of community visits uh, or trekking with community visits, which is something that I think gives more authenticity to to visiting Peru than just the, the highlights that you can find on Instagram and those those poses with the llamas on the terraces of Machu Picchu or the Rainbow Mountain or whatever. So we're trying to get away from that as much as we can um, with the way we're trying to um, guide people into doing this kind of tourism that I think is more impactful and a positive yeah. yeah 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 i think I you know, for, for the sacred valley you have machu picchu which is the gem right like that is and it 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 lived up to the hype i thought it was fantastic and to this day it was seeing machu picchu is one of the greatest experiences i've ever had uh yeah. but i i think where people may be misguided to a degree is where their trip is only based around that experience at the end and to be able to fill in the gaps in such a fantastic way like you like you're working to do where you're getting these experiences all along the way that's that's going to just make that trip that much more meaningful uh and people yeah. might come away with it having different you know favorite experiences because of that uh as we've talked about on the podcast so many times people really make up a bulk of the 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 uh the trip with as far as you know the the emotional ties you have to cities and uh, food oftentimes is right there paired with the person that you get to do that. Yeah. With. The most memorable experiences I've had are meeting new people on trips, like people that I didn't either that I didn't know that came on the trip with me or that weren't on the trip with me. And I just happened to meet in the city. So I think this community-based stuff is incredible. And I think there's, we've talked about this. I don't know if we've talked about it directly or indirectly on the podcast over the last five years, but there's there's definitely going to be this fear of missing out by going to a singular destination for like a week and doing community-based travel. But in my mind, I I feel like I'm getting that much more of an experience where I'm actually understanding the place, not just seeing it. Looking at it is different than understanding it. And while there's this idea that you want to go see everything that there is to see in that country as close as you can... I feel like getting to know the people there, even if you stay in one location, yeah, will be more worth it. And yeah. more to that is this disconnection. People that are living a city lifestyle and they're always on their phones nowadays, it's, it's like that. It's how, how the world's become. But to get into a community that don't still don't have the Wi-Fi 
still don't use their phones every single minute. That also helps people to just take a step back from what they've got home and appreciate what they have home and, you know, to see a different, you know, a different fly in the walls perspective of a lifestyle that's got completely different from what they're used to. I think that also helps people to develop their own, um, you know, their own lives. You know, I think it does. So it brings them down to a level that you realize, you know, what I'm doing, where I'm living is it's not always the be all and end all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And and I think being able to at least experience these moments, um, like I I mentioned before, it's just also to create an awareness. Maybe sometimes adults, we are already a little bit late for some kind of things like that, but especially for kids, you know, I I think for younger people or younger uh, generations, it's so important to, to be able to know how does the potato grow? Right. <laughs> how, where does yeah. the corn come from? You, you know? can't get that in the classroom. Yeah. 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 School. Uh, yeah. Funny yeah. story how about do- that. So I don't know. I don't know when this was, but there was a, it was a study done probably 10, 15 years ago. And it was just asking, you know, elementary school grade kids in the U S where cereal came from. And they're like, Oh, it's like the grocery store. It's like, no, but how does it get to the grocery store? I, I don't know. Like they just, yeah. nobody knew where their food actually came from. And this was 15 years ago. And I would say it's probably even worse now. Maybe maybe <laughs> it's improved a little bit um, with yeah, a precisely. generation difference now, but precisely. it's crazy. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. And, and, and talking about that, you know, because, you know, Peru is the land of potatoes. Here we have at least 4,000 types of seeds of potatoes that, you know, were domesticated, so cool. you know. Yeah. So we work together with a potato park, which is like an hour or, or 45 minutes drive from Pisac up into the mountains. You know, there's like okay. five communities that have uh, united to, to create this project, which is amazing. So we learn so much about farming and potato and the, the their philosophy of kusi uh, kausai, which is good living, you know, how they relate into all of this, uh, into their own philosophy, which is really cool. And, and I love bringing kids to this because they we've had families who've come with their kids to to a potato park with us, for example, to harvest, you know, some some potatoes and and they fight with each other, like, no, I want to be the first one. Give me back the <laughs> and they because they have so much energy, you know, that they they really enjoy these these moments of distraction and you yeah. know, harvesting the potatoes. Yeah. And their parents are just so happy with this. But yeah, these kind of things for me are so important because in the future, in my personal belief, I think we're gonna turn more towards that kind of uh, mentality and, and living. You know, mm-hmm. maybe yeah. wanting to learn to grow our own food if it's possible, or appreciating more where it's really coming from, which probably we don't. And uh, well, it's causing a lot of uh, chaos in the world as we know. You know, <laughs> with mm-hmm. the pollution and everything. But yeah, so. But yep. part of the experiences that, that we share are precisely for this, you know, for the awareness. But not only that, people are going to miss things. Like, I mean, everywhere in Pisac, there is, or in Cusco, in the Sacred Valley, there's something always to see. There's always an archaeological always. site, especially sites that people don't know about because they're so yeah. tiny and they're just like so far away and isolated. But when Matt takes them to hiking, for example, around communities, they pass by those places. Mm-hmm. So they get to see yeah. even more, you know, like... Here yeah. they they go to Pisa. There's archaeological site in Pisa, yeah. you know, and so yeah, yeah. 
they all we always try to to make it um you know balance in that way that people can see the living culture and history and also the living or the the historical archaeological sites you know <laughs> that, yeah. that, that, uh, that are still there so that's yeah yeah I, the, the archaeology that was one thing that was very surprising um was right how away. many archaeological <laughs> sites were along the way between Cusco and Machu Picchu often yeah. unmentioned and rarely talked about and just as cool in a lot of ways uh was it sexy woman with the giant blocks yeah that's uh, right was just fantastic. North of Cusco yeah 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 and and so you, you know I, I do want to get into family travel a little bit more mm -hmm. and hear how you're integrating that as well I have a five-year-old and she's currently learning Spanish uh, which yes. I took in school, but I forgot. I don't, I don't know any. And I keep telling her, you know, you're going to be the one to have to talk for me when we <laughs> no, go. Don't, don't, give, don't, don't <laughs> lean on her as a crutch. You just don't need to learn it. <laughs> it's too late for me to learn Spanish, but, <laughs> but no, it's not. It's never too late. Yeah. No, it's my, my daughter's late. going to be the, the guide for me. And, uh, she's excited. She's already been to two countries. Uh, one of them, Scotland, shout out to Matt. Ooh. And, <laughs> And, uh, yeah and so but we are we are gearing up and throwing around the idea coming to south america uh and so how tell me more about you know um traveling with families and children and i'm very curious about it sure absolutely i mean like as i said i'm very i'm a strong advocate for uh traveling with children i think it's the best education that you can you can give them and the younger you start the better in my mm -hmm. opinion yeah. i started traveling very young <laughs> kids are sponges they learn more at that age than they do at our age right yes oh yeah absolutely. it's fantastic I, some of my favorite experiences obviously like um, my daughter seeing the coliseum and she was just awestruck and she just said can we go inside i was like that's exactly what we're doing right now yeah and it's just yes. yeah, it's just great great <laughs> no absolutely like i said uh for me um doing this for the children is the best because sometimes especially in developed countries uh or even here when you have a, a you know more comfortable lifestyle it is that the comfort really is uh, is dangerous you know and, and and we need to teach children to really come out of that comfort zone very young so they're prepared a little bit more prepared for for life, which is not always very comfortable, in my opinion, yeah. in my mm -hmm. own experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we've had families traveling with younger kids. And well, I do have some recommendations, like especially if you're traveling with, with kids that young, you know, that they they can if they can handle the 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 roads, the what do you say, the drives, long drives, mm -hmm. uh, on, bumpy roads. Yeah, the bumpy roads, you know, because a lot of the communities, for example, in Peru, if you go uh, to visit them, they're not that close. You know, you have to probably go one or two hours by car, you know, and, and it, it can be a bit uncomfortable. So, uh, well, not for everyone. I'm, I'm just saying that in general, people don't expect that. They don't yeah. expect it to be, oh, wow, it was that far. I mean, yeah, we're talking communities that they're living almost 4,000 meters, you know, even, you know, even higher. So that I think uh, food-wise, if your kids are not open to eat you know, a lot of things, it's going to be hard uh, and you got to be prepared for that because we are not going to places where you can find a supermarket or McDonald's or, you know, KFC yeah. close by. So if you think your kid might not like to eat a lot of potatoes or a lot of vegetables, you know, a lot of things, 
maybe bring your own snacks that you think your kid will enjoy more, you know, yeah. and, and then just letting people know ahead of time of this. If you have older children and you're planning like in one or two years to come to Peru, is try to open that variety of food to them ahead of time because um, in Peru, we're huge foodies. You know this, like probably everybody knows. Like we are very yeah, particular with our food and we like a lot to eat. So um, a lot of our food is homemade and a lot of vegetables and, and things like that. So that needs to be taken in consideration, for example, when you're traveling with your kid, you know, no, knowing their likes before and what they might be comfortable with or not ahead of time before planning a trip like that it's for me it's crucial because I've seen a lot of parents struggling with their kids and especially food you know being a stressful moment for them <laughs> and not yeah. really being able to enjoy or really connect with the experience when, when you have that and well depending on the age of your kids the activities you know that you might need to wake up really early if you want to go harvest potatoes or, you mm -hmm. know, you might need to walk a bit if you are going to join them to take their animals out to eat, you know, and these kind of things. Obviously, you're we're trying to make the experience, obviously, uh, comfortable in a way that the beds are clean and you have nice, cozy blankets, you know, and, yeah. and everything we, we take uh, of these details. But maybe hot water for washing your face that's not going to be like a real commodity <laughs> or oh, yeah. you know thing yeah. that you're gonna find yeah or, or like, one of these things may not yeah. work yeah. Yeah. is that a paperweight yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's I, I i would hope a lot of the people that would be willing to pick up these types of trips some of the things that you're mentioning are part of the the goal right like to have to show your your kid, hey, look, like th these are the options for food. Um, like you mentioned, we don't have the McDonald's, we don't have the hamburger. Um, the struggle is part of the experience and part of the process, right? Because uh, putting yourself in this brand new situation that is uncomfortable is part of the learning experience. That kind of translates to learning in, yes. in a way. Um, yeah, and it's uncomfortable only because it's something you're not used to you right, know? for yeah, us obviously yeah. it's we go there and we eat yeah we eat yeah. corn with cheese and oh we're perfect because that's what we grew up eating you know and yeah, you right. know, potatoes and and chili and whatever ah, it's perfect for us but of course it's something we grow up with we we have a taste for it and, and it's not a mm -hmm. problem but when you're bringing younger children and they're not used to this, it can be, you know, it can be a little bit, a shock. but that doesn't mean that we haven't had families whose kids are so open and ready for this. And they have a blast. Like yeah. they really do have a blast. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I've had several families, like I said, I mentioned before, they even like fight with each other. Like, no, I want to bring more potatoes or mama. I have, I harvested way more, you know, and they're like having a competition or like running around and, you know, hugging the animals. And I mean, it, it really depends on the style of traveling that you have put your kids through probably even before, like I said, mm -hmm. but if it's going to be your first trip out of your country, you've never taken your kids anywhere else. Or just then, the resorts. <laughs> yeah. And then you come to visit a local family for two nights, you know, that's probably, you know, you're going to have a little bit more challenges, you know, that, that, yeah. that you, you expect. Well, it's, it's, it's an adventure, right? It's a, almost yeah. a twist on the adventure idea. So normally I think when people hear adventure, they think of this extreme trip where they're, uh, I don't know, like Mount Everest or going on kayaking, like doing something uh, physically challenging. But this is more of a, like a mental adventure for people that 
almost really anybody can do because there aren't those significant physical demands that come with the stereotypical adventure. But this isn't your vacation, so to speak, <laughs> as the Americans typically define it, because a lot of times vacation is um, synonymous with relaxing and doing nothing almost. Uh, mm -hmm. but this is this, this is an immersive, uh, fun uh, adventure and one that really gives you this full picture of the country beyond what uh, most people will try. And I think that this is a fantastic uh, avenue to explore and really to pull people in. Uh, mm -hmm. I do think that there's a major push for this, like I mentioned earlier. Um, I love it. I think this is awesome. Yeah. And, and we've had families, you know, not only just going to visit local communities, but in general, like they they come traveling like the classic, like this Indian family, remember that brother <laughs> brother on instant noodles, like a box yeah. of instant noodles and because their kids couldn't they, eat anything. They shipped, they shipped their food from the US about two weeks before they arrived to say, Matt, can you go and pick it up from the, the postal office? And uh, have it ready for us when we arrive because I know my kids won't eat this and that and this and that and this and that. And I'm like, wow, that is talk talk about um, not being able to adapt, you know. Yeah. And yeah, they ate this this food that was pre-packaged, um, ready-made meals kind of thing the all the way through the trip. While the the parents were actually eating the regular food, healthy, wholesome, fresh, organic food, and these kids are eating packaged chemical crap yeah right <laughs> sorry but you know i'm what surprised I mean? that the kids wouldn't be i feel like kids are sometimes adaptable yeah they can be uh, really depends, stubborn man yeah it depends it depends it really depends yeah, yeah. and yeah. We, we've noticed i mean we, we we encounter a lot of families going to Korea. we've noticed like this kind of difference in the style of traveling with their kids you know we, we've had a family that were like oh don't worry you'll get your gatorade yeah i mean they, they were always like <laughs> giving price to the kids like with the typical things like you you'll get the gatorade later or you know yeah, yeah. i'll buy you something we'll later, get your pizza you know? later on yeah yeah you just like make the effort now and we'll you know <laughs> right. give you a right. price later or something like that yeah. but and we've also encountered families like i said you know that i'm very amazed and that their kids are troopers like they they were able to like a four by four kids you know like uh, they're running they're falling they're stumbling they're you know playing with the stones and you know, this kind of the families enjoy really a lot because the parents are happy to see their kids so um comfortable and adapted to the place that they also get to enjoy as adults, you know, more yeah. about the, the people. A lot, a lot of it's down to the parents at the end of the day. If the parents are acting nervous or going, oh, we better not drink the water, it's not safe. Oh, but has it got filter? Oh, but it's, you know, and then the kids see what the, what their parents are, how they reflect on their parents. And they, they can sometimes be more whiny because their parents are whining. Yeah. So sometimes yes. the parents are more like up to it. They take the kids out camping, they're more outdoors yeah. as a family before they come. Then we know we're going to get less of these kind of problems, you know, these these kind of um, unable to adapt kind of situations. But you, sometimes you have the parents are the worst, worse than the kids. Yeah. <laughs> There's a good quote. Uh, your children will follow your advice, your, your example, not your advice. Yes, yes, totally. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, in general, like these kind of experiences should be, in my opinion, a way of 
um, not struggling, obviously that's not the idea. You don't go there like, oh yeah, we're now gonna experience how struggle feels. No, uh, I think prepare yourself to this experience and be open and really humbled by the experience because they are not living in a condition where you say, oh my God, they're like really poor. No, their richness comes from their lifestyle of like the simplicity that they they really, you know, have in their lives. So mm-hmm. it, it's that, it's actually living the comf- comfortable uh, lifestyle that we have with everything so easy and so ready where our brains don't need to work so much or think so much to, you know, it's, it's already fine for us to survive where you go to a place where like, ah, actually I have to wake up early to go get water to, to, to make my food. And then I have to go a little bit higher to bring the vegetables to my kitchen, you know, and make my own meal and check on my animals. You know, it's like a different uh, dynamic that people have. And it's just that it's not really that you're going to, to suffer. Actually, it's the experience of learning from traditions and, and um, beliefs that they have, like they believe in Pachamama, which is like, this whole idea of a mother earth nurturing us through everything you know (laughs) through the mountains through the rain through through everything and 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 the gods of you know the sun that the inti you know we used to worship so much because without it we wouldn't have exactly so it's it's a different appreciation for life um that i think in general uh, as we grow older and we grow more into the the idea of getting comfort and seeking comfort in our lives we steer out of it you know and then disconnect ourselves which makes in my perspective uh more irresponsible of the effects that we cause with this to the world to the future so it kind of interwines like this in 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 my eyes yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. So. Yeah, the experiences that you offer are almost seem like a medicine to counter the hectic, it, it uh, immer- like uh, American Western yeah. experience lifestyle. Well, we just, we just clutter be- our lives, and I yeah, I use that term mm-hmm. like specifically chosen because it does feel like clutter. We we become so busy, like we have all of this technology to help increase the things that we are met we want to do with our lives, and then we fill that time that we've made back by this technology with other things and so we're kind of creating our own i don't know what to say like anxiety yeah but we're we're creating more things that we have to keep track of because we have more time and we just fill it and i don't think there's a recognition that we're filling that time that we've tried to make for ourselves to do either relaxation Mm -hmm. but i think we're just people have trouble being bored and being bored is good yeah. yeah, yeah, we are really afraid of that. And and yeah, and, and going to these experiences, like I said, they're they're so busy, you know, in their life as well. But they're doing things that uh you know make That's their cool. yeah, make their brain and their chemicals in their body in a different yes. <laughs> different way. Oh, a healthier way yeah, yeah. They're, they're doing yeah. ceramics, you know, they're doing the textile, they're so yeah. focused, they're the, the weaving and yeah. you know the, the agriculture and the animals. I mean they're they're really busy, but it's a different type of like you said, the yeah, the stress stimulation. also yeah, stimulation, thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is yeah. we're humans, we need it, you know. <laughs> yeah, we need that kind of motivation, but uh in a in a healthier way, obviously it's it's all better, I guess. And yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And and staying in theme with this disconnection from uh, modern society, Matt, I know you're, you're looking to Patagonia now. Um, uh, so exciting. <laughs> that's, I, you know, we talk about bucket lists and places we want to see in our lives. 
And Patagonia has been on the bucket list for me for so long, like probably me too. part of 15 to 20 years. Uh, I never got there. I've been... I lived in Buenos Aires, I did Spanish school before I actually came to Peru. So I have experienced life in, in the city in Buenos Aires. But the mountains are what I, I love, you know, as much as someone likes sitting on a beach and, you know, having a relaxation of a holiday or vacation, I like being in the mountains. And that's why I do what I do. And, you know, the passion is there. So another area of, of South America, which is obviously gorgeous, scenery-wise, trekking wise lots of different you know day trips or multi-day trips you can do down there we're trying to expand into areas that also resonate with peru so i think obviously patagonia is an obvious destination and i'll i'll be honest and when we get you know peru is really a seasonal country so you do find that we kind of die out around about november and we pick up again around april and that's mainly because of the wet season here in peru so there's not a lot going on in Peru between January, February months, uh, December and, and, and March, let's say, because of the wet season, the trekking's at a low period. And it's generally not stable to be trekking in those months anyway, you know, due to landslides and all these kind of things happening. So we're looking at another destination to sort of fill the gap. And Patagonia is the perfect contrast because their, their, their peak season is November through to March. Because it's so southerly, you've obviously got the opposite side of the equator. So the summertime, uh, which is, you know, November to March period, that obviously gives you a chance to go down there in the, in, in the off season here. Um, and obviously it's a lot warmer than it would be than going in, say, June, July. So yeah. this is the time to go down there and explore the mountains. Um, so my plan down there, I'll be down there next in March, actually. I'm going down there to, as a sort of preliminary trip to to the future for me to to expand the business down there is to meet up with contacts local guides and to do the trip as a traveler um as i would want to offer it to other people so i'll have a bit of time down there to explore some you know mountain lodges and do the trails and things like that that people might want to do get some photos and then the next high season down there i'll, I'll be in good time to start obviously promoting that area so I, i'm a good i'm a great believer in not offering a product until i physically have been there and know the product i'm selling so in order to to be down there is really important before i start selling it but like i said already peru has got a lot of things going for it but we get we get clients that want to come back to us and say matt what can you do next what can south andy's travel offer us that is not Peru because we've been there and done that. So we've got to start offering new things if we want the clients to come back to us as well. So it is, it's a win-win, I think. I think if we, we move down there for sort of three, four months of the year and then come back up to Peru, then we're going to have uh, all year round traveling. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, I, so so Elliot and I were kind of throwing it around and, and uh, we may be ready by March 25. So that might work out to where you, 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 uh, we can use us as part of uh, one of the Our early guinea pigs, trips. No. We'll be your, yeah, your alpha testers. Yeah. Well, I'll keep you up to date. Don't worry. And then obviously it's a sort of recce is as far as trips go. So I might not get everything right first time round, but That's don't fine. worry for you guys. It'll all be set up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. yeah. Hey, yeah we're I'm happy to really... help, uh, work out the kinks. 
awesome. And, All right. And so you are you're looking at something <clears throat> that would go along the Andes, some sort of trek. And do you know the whole uh, of the Andes? The entire Andes. Yeah. It'll, it'll yeah. take That's you a know, big trip. six months. That's no. a big one. Yeah, no. I don't think that will happen right away. He can't leave for six months the office. Neither <laughs> I can I. I've got ten days. I've got to really. I mean, I'd, I'd have to helicopter my way around the Andes to do it in ten days. <laughs> yeah. So no, that's not that's not going to happen. But I'm definitely going to pick up. I've already got an idea of where I'm going to visit. Some highlights. You know, the the Perito Moreno Glacier. That's the one that you can go by boat and see the glacier falling down sort of every thirty minutes or so. Oh. That's a photogenic spot, but there's also trekking around that area. It's a place called Fitzroy, Mount Fitzroy, and the beautiful glacier lakes is one of the most scenic treks you can do. It's a day trek. It takes around nine to ten hours. Um, so all of that area, that's El Calafate, El Chaltén, and that the, the Fitzroy Mountain, and also um, Perito Morena is mm -hmm. part of the Los Glaciares National Park. Okay. Then we've got Torres de Paine, which is down in Chile. That's further down. There's about another four or five hours drive on from that first location. And then you've got the Torres de Paine, you've got the granite towers, you've got the four or five day trek, which is what they call the W trek. You've got the O trek, which is like a full circuit of eight to nine days. So these are all areas that people are going to, very, very popular areas actually. But I'm actually looking at trying to do a little bit of the less known places as well. So that we'll get the catchment for the, the highlights, people that read about before they get there. But hopefully we'll also be able to offer sort of, um, half day treks or full day treks that are a little bit less off the radar. But until I get down there, I can't really speak more about that. But definitely watch the space. Yeah, will do. Yeah, definitely. And then keep us in the loop with that. Yeah. I already we're got approval trying... from my wife, so I'm good to go. Cool. <laughs> Same. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're always trying also to partner with um businesses or um partners there that also are aligned with the sustainability of yeah. know, their businesses. So I think it's so important for us to just maybe go there and personally create these alliances, you know, and understand why their businesses are sustainable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we want to reciprocate what we're doing in Peru gradually what what we can do out in other countries as well Patagonia I don't think has a sort of community based tourism but they have like mountain ecologies and sustainable yeah. practices that are in place um, I, we've talked about Colombia we've got that kind of thing also going on in Colombia Costa Rica. in Costa Rica which is very very well designed for, for sustainable tourism and, and eco-friendly kind I of have... projects if you so, guys need a contact down in Costa Rica, that was my first international trip that probably ruined me for international travel because I stayed on a, a farm and we did. Uh -huh. It was service-based agritourism. Yeah. <laughs> and he's still there. He's a, He moved there when he was eight. He's American, um, but he's been there for 20 years now, 30 years. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Oh, sure. yeah, you have I to mean... send him his... Uh, he was on the podcast years ago. Years, years and years. Yeah, it was like yeah. four, four something years ago. He he was one of our ever five years ago. He was one of our first guests. Yep. Nice, and nice. Yeah, I yeah. mean, there are many, many projects that are so interesting around. It, the hardest thing is to get to know about these projects from a from a country outside. You have to go physically to places to integrate enough to mm -hmm. know what's there. If you go on the internet. There's so many things to move out the way before you get to. 
like this community tourism, you know, you try and type it in and you get Machu Picchu and uh, agencies offering things, things that you don't want. So trying to get away from all of that to get to where you want to go it's really difficult. And the only, the best way to do it is to physically go there, meet people, the locals who know about these projects that are going on that are not very well uh, marketed or whatever. So that's what we're trying to offer when we go to other countries as well. But physically, you need to be there to do it. So that's why I'm going to march. All right. Nice. Yeah, very cool. And And for people who want to have listened to this and now want to join you, where where would you direct them? Well, um, first of all, we're updating more and more our website with uh, I, a sample itineraries that we have, especially with this kind of activity. So you can enter our website, um, www.southandestravel.com. And if you want this direct inquiries, you can go to Matt at info at southandestravel.com and he will reply to you as fast as a, a light bulb. <laughs> he, as fast as a llama. A llama. <laughs> yeah, he, he's really on, you know, on all these uh, sales and he's very detailed with knowing what you really are looking for, how long do you have, especially budget, because we do different type of budgets. We do uh, more, uh, you know, a three star, more simple, kind of like not so fancy or so comfortable. And of course, obviously the, the community-based tourism experience we do four star five star you know people are really want like okay the last two days of my trip i really want to relax because the hiking and the going here and the going there i need to chill we offer you know different type of profile for for clients and, and it's the, the same quality of service no matter what uh, what is your budget so yeah info at, uh, at southhamestravel.com is, is the best way all right awesome well thank you so much for coming on the podcast today yeah, really. Thank you for the having us, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you in March 25. You keep me on the on the calendar, and no problem. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Thank you again. I'm so happy that we were able to have that conversation with them. Um, I mentioned it in the show, but I will mention it yet again that Costa Rica really impacted the way I see travel. I had done international trips before Costa Rica, but not necessarily outside of across an ocean or to like a significantly different culture. Um, so having that service learning trip with Travis Tennyson and Wade down at that farm uh, made me realize that I don't need to see everything. And I really enjoy that piece of it. And that's exactly what Annette and Matt are doing with this community-based travel. And not only that, but it seems like it'd be awesome for kids under five. I think the hardest part would be just getting there, right? Because mm -hmm. as soon as you're immersed in that community and you're living with another family, you now have hands-on stuff. It's not just that you're living in that in another country and still having to do all the same things you would do with the kid, trying to entertain them, trying to make sure they're fed, doing whatever you need to do. Now you have this other familial-based community helping out. Yeah. I I ending that conversation, I'm now leaning back towards Costa Rica with the kids. There's just so many reasons that it to go. And uh, I've never really been to Central America either. And so um, I know Matt has contacts there that he's working with in Costa Rica that I, I do want to check out. Um, but Peru, the, the Sacred Valley trip that we did in Peru was awesome. We started in Cusco. We ended 
to at Machu Picchu and then made our way back. The one thing that I think we missed out on was this community-based experience yeah. where having had spent the day out hiking and exploring and then going back to a family that we could talk about our day with, get additional information on, have that come cooked meal would be fantastic. You know, we kind of did that a little bit in Morocco where we we had meals and experiences with the people that live there. We didn't do that in, in Peru and I, I regret it. And so if anybody's listening to this, um, if this is the type of adventure that you think might be a fit, I would just say, pull the trigger and book early and book quickly. Um, and all that information on how you can book the links provided by Yana and Matt are going to be in the show notes. So check that out. Uh, that being said, I, I just want to say thank you for listening. I know we haven't been as punctual with the podcast releases as we normally were, but uh, bear with us. Um, you are still free to down, to message us with any uh, requests for podcasts or guests. And uh, thank you for coming along for the ride. And uh, if you're still listening, we appreciate you. Stay healthy, stay safe, and tune in next week. 